0: Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Last week, we took the opportunity to open up the book of Revelation and to begin a prologue or an introduction into what Revelation has in store. And I hope you understood from last week's message. Revelation does show God's judgment upon the earth. And Revelation does show God's judgment among the unsaved. But Revelation is primarily a book of a testimony of God's faithfulness to his word and to all of his promises. All of the promises that God made from Genesis to Jude are showing being fulfilled in Revelation. Also, Revelation is a book that still points people to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is a warning. It is the apocalypsis, if you remember that word from last week. It is the apocalypsis or the things to come. And it is a warning to avoid those things. It is a warning for us to reach those who need to be saved. So this morning as we carry on, we see where John is being given some instructions. And John says, in beginning in verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first-begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Well, as we look at that passage, we take the opportunity this morning to settle in to this study, and we are going. To be taken back through the gospel message is a reminder of how things were before we are taken on the journey of how things are going to be. The revelation is both a blessing and a burden. And we're going to look at the blessing this morning in this message. For the child of God, we are reminded of several things from this passage. We That we maybe have forgotten concerning our faith and concerning the liberty that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, notice with me first, the revelation is a blessing to the church. Revelation, like I said, is primarily a book of judgment. But God chooses to begin it with grace and peace, if you noticed in our passage. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. Now when he writes to the seven churches... I want you to understand those were seven literal churches. But this book wasn't listed and given specifically to them and them only. When he uses the seven churches, the number seven is a number that is used in the Bible to show completeness. So it is the complete church that God is speaking to. He is using those words and that phrase seven churches to talk about the complete church. Not just those seven that were, but even the church today. As we are gathered here this morning, these words are just as important in your life and in my life today as they were in generations past, even those back a thousand, two thousand years ago. These words mean just as much to you and I today. They are a blessing to you and I if we will allow God's word to speak to us this morning. We see that we are reminded of its substance. To its substance. God begins revelation by reminding reminding the church they have what they do not deserve, grace. This morning each one of us has grace. We are living in a day and in an age of grace this morning. We have been saved by grace. We have the grace of God through His Holy Spirit indwelling us daily and leading us and guiding us and moving our hearts and our lives to a closer relationship with the Lord. We sang songs this morning about the storms of life. And every one of you have a different story, a different storm that you're going through. I've had my storms. I currently have them. My wife has her storms. But understand this, the storms that we go through may not necessarily be a punishment. We want to think of them as being a punishment. And certainly God can chastise us through storms. But let's realize something about storms and grace this morning since we're on that subject. When God allows storms to come into our lives and difficulties, and that's what I'm calling storms, any difficulty, anything that makes us question God, that makes us question where God is and what's going on in our life, those things are there to bring us closer to God. Think about that thing that's in your life this morning, that difficulty, that circumstance, that situation, and think about that as God allowing it to bring you closer to Him. It makes you look at that thing much differently. Grace, grace in your life and grace of God working through that storm to bring you closer to Him could be the very thing that He is using to reach other people in your family and other people in your influence with Jesus Christ. Realize Jesus Christ is the end-all, be-all of the Bible. The whole Bible is written about Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. they looking ahead for the Messiah to come. The New Testament, all of the books, the Gospels, are there to give an account of Jesus and his days here on earth. The epistles from Acts on through Jude are all written to talk about the work of the church and the moving of the Holy Spirit in people's lives and how grace through Jesus has moved them forward through circumstance and situation. And now we are into the book of Revelation and we're seeing how grace has brought people to that point and how grace will bring them through the things that are to come ahead. And if God is good enough and if God is bold enough and if God is holy and righteous enough to see everyone throughout from Adam and Eve up to the current situation, to see all of that through the storms of life, through Jesus Christ, why is he not big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to see you through the storms that you're facing? God has that testimony, and he has that track record. He is in control of it all. He controls and runs everything. When we see In verse 4, we see from Him which is, which was, and which is to come. That is God. That is God. He is, He was, and He is to come. It's all present tense. Tomorrow is present tense with God. Yesterday is present tense with God. Today is present tense with God. There is grace in God today and there is grace that is sufficient enough to see you and I through the storms of life that we have. There is grace that is sufficient enough to build our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we must, we must grasp that grace. We must grab hold of it. And by faith, Walk with Christ knowing that he understands and he knows what tomorrow is bringing. We may not. We may not be given that luxury of knowing what tomorrow is. What it will bring in our lives. But Christ does. That's why he wants to lead us. That's why he wants to be our Lord as well as our Savior. When we use that phrase, we have to understand the difference between those two words. When Christ died on the cross and rose again, He became the Savior of our soul if we will believe in Him and accept Him. But when He talks about being Lord of our life, it comes to a point where we submit ourselves totally to Him. Now that's a big thing. That's a whole lot bigger than what we think. It's not just tossing around a few words and making it sound good on a Sunday morning message and then walking out and not worrying about it. When we talk about totally submitting ourselves over to the Lord as our leader, as our Lord of our life, then we submit ourselves in the aspect of saying that we forsake everything else. Now, that doesn't mean we, we don't worry about food or we don't worry about... We've got responsibilities in life. God gave us those responsibilities and we have to fulfill them. But how we go about fulfilling them? Are we going to go about fulfilling them, taking every advantage and making every advantage that we can make? We shouldn't. If we're going to fulfill them, and we're going to have Jesus as Lord of our life. We're going to follow His word that's given in His book and in, in the Bible, and we're going to let that dictate us. This is going to be our roadmap for life. Well, the seven churches, and we talked about what they represent, is they represent the Christianity across ages. Not only that, we see that every type of person in this, in these, in the churches, they. They refer to and they unite them with Christianity. The church isn't made up of one kind of person. We we sang a song about the body. It's made up of different people. It's made up of different circumstances, different situations, just as the body is made up of different parts and pieces. We don't think a whole lot about our pinky toe. I mean, really, we don't think a whole lot about it. Until we stub it on something in the middle of the night. And it will put you flat on your face in the floor. And it will make you roll around and cry like an infant. Then it becomes a big deal. There are no insignificant members of our body. There are no insignificant members of the body of Christ. We are gathered this morning as the body of Christ. We are gathered this morning to lift up and praise Jesus. And grace and peace comes from that worship. Grace and peace comes from lifting Him up and loving Him and letting Him speak to our hearts. That is the substance of blessing this morning. That is the substance of the grace and the peace. It all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to Him and His Word. Well, not only that, the church is reminded of its source of a blessing. As I said earlier, from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. The source of blessing is backed by the authority of heaven itself and it is bestowed by the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. When we read that statement about the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits which are before the throne, remember the number seven. It is a number of completeness. The Holy Spirit is complete in everything that he does. The Holy Spirit existed with Christ and with God the Father in the beginning. And the Holy Spirit exists with him today. The Holy Spirit moves and roams this earth today, keeping everything in order. Now we may stop and think and look at the news and we may say there's not a whole lot of order. There is compared to what would happen if the Holy Spirit would leave and leave this earth. If the Holy Spirit restraining evil would leave this earth today, it would be a horrible event that Hollywood itself could not depict in the strangest horror movie it could ever put together. The Holy Spirit is a restraining force of evil in this society that we live in today. And we need to understand that. His work is a complete work. But understand that the source of the blessings that God is given from His work comes not just from the Holy Spirit. It comes straight from the throne of God, from the Father Himself. And it comes through Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that calls each one of us in our hearts to a saving relationship through Jesus Christ making us an adopted son to God the Father or daughter to God the Father. That's the way it works. We can't have our salvation without having all three as a source we can't have a daily walk with God without dealing with all three. We are told in Scripture that when we pray, when we pray and we can't put the words together, when we pray and we just don't know what to ask for or how to ask for it, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us for our groanings to God the Father as He sits on the throne. In the book of Hebrews, we are told to come boldly before the throne of grace. That isn't arrogantly. That is coming with confidence knowing that God the Father is going to hear our pleas and hear our prayers through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ, His Son. The source of the blessings that we enjoy today as children of God is a source that comes from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can't, We can't have those blessings without all three of them being involved. We can't have those blessings without all three of them being there. And The church's blessing comes from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now some believe that those seven spirits are much more than just the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is a very powerful thing. The Holy Spirit, He is. He has an authority and a power that is much uh, that is much bolder, that is much greater than anything the devil will throw our way. And this morning, the devil is throwing things in front of you in your life. Yes, the seven spirits of the throne of God, as it's spoken of there in verse four. Sorry, that's okay. They are before His throne. They are standing there and that is the completeness of the Holy Spirit. The storms that you face in your life today are there because the devil wants to turn you away from God. He may not be able to take your salvation. He may not be able to do any of that, but if he can damage or destroy your testimony, he can keep you from being an influence in somebody else's life. That's his treachery. He wants to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. He wants to take as many souls to hell as he possibly can. Now, if he can't have yours, then he can try to keep you from being an influence in somebody else's life. That's just how tricky. That's just how dirty. That is just how dangerous the devil is. But the Holy Spirit is there to warn us, to empower us, to strengthen us to be able to overcome. Well, we know that church blessings also come from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. He is a faithful witness to the name of God, to God's authority and to God's power. He, he is a faithful witness to the nature of sin, that sin come from the fall of man in the Garden of Eden through the trickery and treachery of the devil. And that tr- trickery and treachery is still present in your life and in my life today. Jesus Christ is a faithful witness to the need for righteousness. You and I can't find righteousness in our life. You and I can't develop it. We can't create it. We can't come up with it. Jesus is the righteous one. And do you know when you give your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you believe in him and you call upon him, that righteousness of Christ is imputed to you. It is passed to you. You inherit that righteousness of Christ. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've earned it. But just as a gift of grace. You inherit that righteousness. It is a righteousness that we need. Because without that righteousness. We do not have the boldness. That is spoken of before in Hebrews. To come before the throne of God. That righteousness is a key. That empowers us with that boldness. There is also. A faithful witness to the nearness of judgment. We realize. When we come to Jesus Christ, exactly how close to hell we really were. Exactly what it meant in our life to be to be lost and to be undone and unfinished without Christ. But we also know that that judgment is pardoned in our life. There are many people in prison today who would love to receive a pardon. There are many people there today who have turned their life around, but they're serving a life sentence because of a decision they made. They would love to have a pardon, but one can't come. One will never come. There are people in hell today who would love to have a pardon from Jesus Christ in order to come. Remember the story of the rich man and the beggar? The beggar stayed in his gate daily hoping for the crumbs to come from his table to have something to eat. Well, when that man died, he went into paradise, into the bosom of Abraham. When the rich man died, he went into hell. And it was there that he lifted up his eyes and he begged for Abraham to touch his finger in water and put it upon his tongue. There are people in hell today that are in that very same shape and in that very same condition facing an eternal judgment because they refused to believe in Jesus. Jesus is a witness to that judgment. Jesus is a witness to salvation because he is a salvation. He is the one that has secured salvation for us. It is he who sat upon that cross Where the, where the thief that was on his right side said, remember me when you get to paradise. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise because he believed. The other, the other on his left side did nothing but mock him and make fun of him. And he slipped away and he went into hell that day when he died. There is the picture of the simplicity of Jesus Christ and salvation. It is there on the cross with those three men. In the middle you had the Savior. On either side you had a comparison of choices that had an eternal consequence with it. Jesus is the witness to salvation. Well we know that revelation is more than a blessing but it's a benediction this morning. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin In his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This benediction provides grace that accrues to us. It accrues to us the realization that a saint's response is with a benediction about grace that endures. We submit ourselves to grace that endures. Endures what? Endures everything. It is a grace this morning that endures all of the troubles, all of the trials, all of the temptations of life. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin is a grace that emancipates. It sets us free from slavery and it restores our liberty. This is a joyful shout that we have. If you're saved today, you have been redeemed. And if you have wandered away from God, Jesus is there to restore. Either way, it is a shout of victory. Your sins are forgiven and forgotten as far as the east is from the west. That part of that song comes back into a reality in this message. How far is that? It's from one stretched hand to the other. Jesus hanging on that cross How far is it? It's from the nail in the right hand to the nail in the left hand. And it stretches for an eternity. Sin that has been forgiven has been forgiven. Sin that we fall into can be forgiven and forgotten. We can be restored. That is the beauty of Christ. If a person could not be restored because of the failure in life, because of sin that they have walked into, I could not stand before you this morning giving this message and giving a testimony of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. It is awesome. The restoration that is there through Jesus Christ is awesome. And it is unlimited. There's nothing that it can't reach in our lives. It can go to any depth that we've gone to. It can reach us in any failure that we find ourselves in. What a wonder and what a blessing it is today to understand that. He hath made us kings and priests. Think about that. If you are saved today, you are a priest You are a saint. You are a saint. It's wonderful to understand that relationship. It's wonderful to grasp that relationship and really accept it. And we can sit there and we can say, but I can't be a saint because, and fill in the blank. And the devil will support you and tell you you're right and you don't qualify and you're not. But the blood of Christ says otherwise. The blood of Christ and the word of God says if you're saved, you are a saint and you are a priest. Which means if you study your Bible in the Old Testament and you study about the priest, They are the people who went and listened to God. And they heard God speak to the mercy seat in the temple. And coming off of that mercy seat, they got the instructions from God. And they gave those instructions to the people. What a priest means in the New Testament Bible is that if you are saved, you have that connection through the Holy Spirit. You are receiving that information and you have that information to pass along to others for encouragement, for salvation, for all of those things. And what a wonderful blessing it is to know that God bestows all of that trust all of that encouragement into the lives of those who believe in Him and are saved according to His Son. It is something to shout about this morning. It is something to gain encouragement and strength from. That grace accrues Him to be glory and dominion forever. Not us. We will be part of that glory. We will be part of that dominion. We will be associated with it. But that dominion and that glory will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we go through revelation, and as we see it, and as we let it open up to us, we're going to see that glory and that dominion being shown on the earth to all of those people who have scoffed at God, to all of those people who have said, Ah, uh, there's no God, there's nothing, there's no meaning, there's nothing to any of that. If if there was a God, He would have already done something. He Why didn't He do this? Why didn't He do that? All of those people who refuse to believe in Christ, who refuse to accept Him, who refuse to take Him as Lord and Savior, all of those who scoff and who mock, we will see in Revelation where God will come down upon them with His wrath Not because he's mad at them, but because of the sin that is in their life. The sin that they had submitted themselves to and the sin that they had given themselves over to. Remember earlier I talked about Jesus being Lord of our lives and what that meant? If Jesus isn't Lord of our life, Satan is. There's no gray area. It's one or the other. And if Satan is the Lord of our lives, then he is leading us in rebellion against God. And that sin of rebellion is what God will judge. And that's what we will see judged as we move through Revelation. Take a heed of warning this morning. Do not put yourself in that spot of being rebellious to God. Jesus is here today to save those who are lost. Those who will believe in him. Those who will come to him. Talk coming to me, I can't save you. I can point you through scripture and show you there. For the Lord will save you and Jesus will cleanse you of your sin. But what I can't do is do anything on my own. I can pray with you for your strength to believe. I can pray with you for God to help you in your life. I can lift you up, your circumstances and your situations, but I can't save you. Only Jesus can. And that can only happen when you believe. So this morning as we leave and as we begin and go into our week, we need to realize, we need to realize that we do have grace in our lives today. And that grace and that peace is because of Jesus. And because of them, because of Him, because of Him, all of the storms of life, He will lead us through. He will lead us and guide us and direct us. He will save us from the coming wrath of God's judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Lord God, I thank you for the privilege of opening your word this morning. I thank you for the grace that's been shown. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these ladies and them opening their home for us to come and minister and and provide your word. And Heavenly Father, to provide encouragement from your word and from your Holy Spirit into their lives and into their circumstances and situations. Heavenly Father, we pray for them and their families. We pray for all of the lost and the undone this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that those who may be a prodigal away from you today, that they will come, that they will return to you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will have your will and your way in all of our lives and everything that's done and said today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.